0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today, my guest is Mike Ashford. Mike is formerly the managing director of the Esports Award and has just been promoted to CEO, so huge congrats to him. He's going to tell his story of working through marketing very purposefully and then finding his way into the esports space at the Esports Awards. He's also going to talk about how this award show has grown from nothing to the must-attend event of the year. Let's talk to Mike. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC DLC Drop Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, so excited for my guest today, Mike Ashford ceo formerly managing director of the sports awards now ceo first of all congratulations and thank you so much for joining me on the dlc drop podcast i'm really excited to have you today
1: absolutely john and it's certainly it's been an aspiration of mine for at least the last year to get to come on dlc so it's fulfilling a, a small bucket list wish for me as well so i appreciate it and so super excited thanks for having me on
0: Right on. Absolutely. Well, when you talk about uh, bucket list items, one of the, one of those for me was to attend the esports awards and I had the opportunity to do that in 2019, the last live event before COVID that we had. And thank you so much for inviting me to attend there. And over the last a year plus, we've built a friendship, built a relationship. It's great to always see you on calls, talk to you in our, our content creators group on LinkedIn. But I want to take this opportunity. You have such an inspiring story and just what the esports awards represents is is really really cool to a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons so let's get into it i want to learn from you first where did this journey start for you that has now culminated in becoming ceo of this incredible award show
1: That's a great question. And it's it's a little bit of a long story and a bit of a ramble. But I think a lot of esports stories start off in that way, right? Because there's a lot of people that fall into things. And I I guess I'm no different in that respect. And for, for me, I've always been a gamer, which is a pretty common start to the story. I grew up playing the likes of GoldenEye on the N64, Pokemon Stadium. And then when I got to high school, I started playing a game called RuneScape. And that was really my first introduction to cooperative and collaborative gameplay on playing that that game and being able to be part of an MMORPG community and having a guild and having all of these responsibilities. And I was hooked. It was back before the days of YouTube. I had a, a pretty big Google video channel back when they used to do awards on a week by week basis. So you could get like number one director in the UK if you got a certain threshold for viewership and so on. And I loved it, but it was always sort of a hobby to me. And I was always someone that wanted to study first, um, create a load of value in what I'm able to do and what I'm able to bring to a business and then sort of join on the back of that. So I went down the vocational route of going to college, going to university. Uh, I got a first class honors degree in marketing and also a certificate from the Chartered Institute of Marketing for excellence for getting the highest grade in a marketing degree up to that point. I think I've since been eclipsed on that. Yeah, I think someone's beat me since. Uh, I won't hold it against them, but always a cool distinguishment and something I like to bring up on podcasts. Apologies, humble brag, on that side, and then um, I started my career off the back of it, and I was fortunate enough to work in a number of marketing positions, understand different elements of roles, whether it's user experience, user interface, user journeys, all the way through to sort of a lot of the digital marketing tropes, uh, from pay-per-click to search engine optimization to conversion rate optimization, uh, and worked for some cool blue chip companies along the way in that sense, that gave me the confidence that, hey, I know what I'm doing now. I know how to market brands, I know how to tell a story, and I know how to engage users. So I ended up starting my own agency off the back of it and building some websites and some different branding pieces out, sort of, I I guess you would call it moonlighting alongside my jobs, uh, but created a pretty cool client base off the back of it. And at the same time, I made the decision to move agency side in my career. I'd built one. I knew how it worked. I knew the cogs. So I ended up working for a company at the time called Fast Web Media, and they had a number of properties, including a interest in getting into esports. And literally, chance encounter back in mid-2016 with, well, well our, our now board member and sort of chairman, effectively, Tom Mercy, who was our CEO, who I said, like, they were like, you, you need to go and talk with this guy. And at the time, he was building out the Esports Industry Awards. They were... Worried because they didn't have any real marketing presence or nuance behind it. They didn't know how to communicate with the audience. And it effectively was born off of a sports-based awards show. And they said, well, hey, there's this gap in gaming. Let's do the esports industry awards and see how that turns out. And uh, Tom pitched it to me in a room in London. And I fell in love with the concept. Straight away, I felt this is different, right? This is a unique proposition. This is something that hasn't been done and that can add a ton of value. And to me, that was something that was really important. I wanted to be able to approach the industry different so that when I put the hours in and when I put the time in, there's a piece of legacy that says these were the people that did this and this is why this exists and is functional now because they, they put it together, they manifested it and it unfolded in this way. And that really creates part of the, the core pillar of the awards right creating legacy in wow. that sense. Yes. So, yeah, I, ca- I came on board in 2016 as a uh, consultant at first to really work through the marketing and very, very quickly it picked up steam. We, we spoke with Twitch and they were like, you need to broadcast this. This needs to go out as a live show and suddenly we're producing a live show plus running a voting process and a panel and a board and everything in between and this shows rapidly coming up and at that point people still weren't aware of esports as a mainstream concept so getting it across to people like what you're working on was very difficult and I remember <laughs> I'd be like there's all of these celebrities that we're persuading to come over to the UK that are going to be there there's Hector Rodriguez there's Pamage, there's Scump there was Hastro and even some of the UK based guys like KSI that were in the room and it was just blank faces and blank stares the whole time we were fortunate we had some UK based celebrities as well we had like um, David Hay who's a really big boxer and heavyweight champion of the world who came and attended because he had a real love for games gaming and it's all sort of gone from there but I'll be honest I will give a shout out to my little brother Alex because he was the one that persuaded me to stay around the gaming circle because well when I was going through my degree I really wanted to get sort of like a steadfast career and I didn't believe that you could get a career in gaming at that point I was like it's a unicorn right it's very difficult to get paid for something you're so passionate about and something you enjoy so I started looking in other routes. I stopped playing. And he was always trying to persuade me back around 2010 to play this game that just came out called League of Legends. He was like, this game's huge. I've heard huge... of it. <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hadn't at that point, I'll be very honest. Uh, yeah. I was still in the RuneScape era. And I was like, no, no, RuneScape will always be much bigger than it, it'll have more player base. And he's like, no, no, this game is insane. It's getting 20 million people playing it a month and they're doing some impressive things. And I sort of ignored it at first. I was like, okay, well that's cool. And then it got to the 2013 season sktt1 at the time who are now just t1 were going on this dominant rampage in korea and then we went to dinner once and he was on his phone the whole time watching this game and i was like you, you need to get off your phone we're at this big fancy <laughs> dinner and he's like i can't like this team are going to win a million dollars and i was like no no one's going to win a million dollars like you don't win a million dollars playing games he's like they're going to win a million dollars playing games and i watched the stream and sure enough they won a million dollars playing games and i was like This is really serious and these concurrent viewership numbers are absolutely insane. So that was when I was like... I need at some point to have in my career that I've worked in this industry and that I've managed to do something of presence. And from there, I sort of spent three years working on my agency, my presence, keeping up to date with the games. And actually there's a, there's another story and this is a long, long preamble, but uh, I ended You're up good. breaking my foot in 2014. Okay. And I, I used to play a lot of soccer, so a lot of football over here in the UK. And I couldn't anymore. I, I lost my competitive edge. Like, oh, wow. um, it just wasn't going to happen. And I was like, well, what can I play that would give me that competitive tension back League of Legends, uh, and I ended up playing that with my brother for four years up until sort of the second year of the awards. We ended up getting to Diamond. We played in a load of tournaments across the UK and Europe and having a load of fun with it. But again, I had that sort of pessimism of this isn't gonna pay my bills. Like this isn't gonna be the job that lands me security in life. Right. Um, So I I, I walked away from it. And it was really ironic that at that same time I was coming into the awards and being a part of this. So my catchphrase since is I wasn't good enough to win awards, so now I get to give them out, right?
0: Yeah, I can relate to that in my skateboarding career. I always say, man, actually, I'm glad I wasn't a little bit better to delay my business career. (laughs) I did delay it for uh, probably five to seven years. But I was like, man, if I was a little better, I'd probably be uh, homeless in Fort Lauderdale somewhere. Right now, but no, that's, but, so- but that's going to
1: be super exciting as well, right? I, I, I watched the show, I saw recently. You've got to live out some of these cool things where you've got people that worked on some of the Tony Hawks games, where you've got the yeah. passion of gaming with your personal passion coming together in fruition. i th- This is your podcast, so apologies, but like, how <laughs> was that for you? Like, that must have been the most crazy experience.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's, it's really amazing. I can't believe how blessed I am sometimes with just the way things have come together, you know? And I always say, man, when I got sponsored at age 14, I never dreamed that number one, it would go so far where I would do it for a living for a number of years, and then that dream fell apart. After a six month tour, I broke my ankle. I didn't know what was gonna happen next. I you know, worked in an office for two years, then I went back to school, and I had these little opportunities with, with new companies where I had opportunities to run a skateboard program, or I, ha- I was able to help a team that was emerging learn how to do demos it's a completely different way of skateboarding, street skating versus doing a demo for a crowd. And then now that I have the opportunity to apply my business understanding to things like skateboarding, and then when that combines with gaming, I'm like, man, how did I get this lucky? I can't believe I get to do this for a living. And it's it's really a blessing. It sounds like you feel a lot the same way with what you're doing with the Esports Awards. Absolutely. Well, it's one thing that blew me away the other day, and I think you can relate to this, I was on Twitter and I saw somebody post something it had something to do with who like like who has a paying job in the esports industry or who's who is currently paying their bills in the esports industry. And you and I do that. Very fortunate. But to see the countless tweets of my dream is to one day be able to pay my bills doing this and all the people who want to do it who have not yet realized that dream i think as we build out this industry more and more as it professionalizes a lot more people are going to have those opportunities but talk a little bit about that just i guess how you feel about being able to have that opportunity and then being able to provide that to others in different ways
1: yeah i think it's it's incredible and it makes me so so proud to see the industry evolve and that's why I am uh, I'm, I vehemently defend it at every opportunity and you get accused of having sort of um, rose-tinted glasses or like that type of thing, but I, I, I look back and I've been in the industry now since really 2015 in its mm. first format and focus with some work that I was doing at the time and it's a very different place now, right? And yeah. it's a much better place. I mean, back, back then Astralis weren't even a team. They were still under the Team Solo Mid-Org and then off the back of it, they broke away, made their own organization and now in their own right mind, they are seven or eight figure business doing some pretty incredible things and that's in a five year journey. And for, for ourselves, like we are, we've just had our fifth ceremony, we're coming into the SIF now. And we like to think in our own way we've paved the way because when we started the awards, there was maybe four people that could be afforded to work on this thing full time. Mm. And we've got to the stage now where there's maybe nine or ten of us that work on it full time. And that's created jobs and forefair. And I think it's a really cool place. But more importantly and more exciting for me is the depth. Uh, and variety of jobs that you can have where you can work in the esports industry, experience and engage in it, but it's also going to provide you with a much safer route to being in the industry because if you go back three or four years, everyone was like, I'm going to be the next big pro player. I'm going to beat everyone and I'm going to take a load of checks home. The reality is when the Fortnite World Cup happened in 2019, 40 million people attempted it and only one managed to win it. And that was the 2019 Esports PC Player of the Year, Booga. He he was the one that walked away with a big check. Everyone else walked away with the sense of, I could have won it, but I didn't. And they have to go back to real life after that. That's the, the sad reality in that scenario. But now there's all these other ways in, right? There's ways of having secondary passions. So I look at what Adam Apicella's done with Esports Engine and think that's incredible because yes. there are very real routes to getting into this via broadcast and production and tournament administration and operations. I look at the legal routes and someone else we both have a, a common um, relationship with in KRCL, Jonathan yep. Jordan and the stuff he's doing in the Esports scene. And I think it's incredible. Like you can go legal, you can go marketing, you can go pre- broadcast, you can go operations and you can go event management. And I think the cool thing is you don't need to be like a storied eSports veteran. To go and work in the industry now. We have people in our team like Hannah Robinson, who is the director of our operations. She isn't someone who comes from a gaming background or an esports background, but she is very talented at what she does, and she creates some of the best experiences and events that we've ever had because she comes from a background in which she personally wants to create perfection and create incredible experiences, and off the back of it, she's gone on to run our panel council and our panel alongside those people that are in that and run a lot of our processes and police them because of the way she is as a person and her studies and some of the things that she stands and believes in that she's able to bring to the esports scene in the industry the better's what we're able to do and projects better for the overall industry so it's a huge win-win
0: yeah one thing i love about our industry is the opportunity it provides for young people because as I, this is what I credit eSports, at least in the U.S., blowing up. This is what I credit it to is essentially you have brands and agencies seeing declining viewership of TV, def- declining participation in traditional sports. They say, what is everybody doing? oh, they're all playing video games. Well, how do I integrate with video games? I have no idea, it's complicated uh, to do it, but oh, look at eSports. I see sponsorable assets that are ripe for logo placement, right, I see jerseys, <laughs> teams, leagues, content, etc. and of course the marketing strategies you and I know uh, are much more complex than just placing a logo, but to the point is, yes, all these young people are just obsessed with playing games. And I talk with a lot of parents. I talk with a lot of schools. I've had the right opportunity to write some curriculum for SMU recently. I'm doing it with another company as well, but behind the scenes. And when you can help people say, okay, what are you good at? What is your passion? Okay. Gaming, but what are your other passions? Are you a great artist? Are you a great communicator? Are you just, are you really good with tech? Are you really good with gadgets? Do you have even an interest in security and keeping people safe at events, right? One thing that I'm working on behind the scenes with a few different schools, I'm excited, I think it's a multi-year approach, but is essentially uh, a college creating an eSports event that is produced by and for the student body so that every single school in the university is participating with students producing it. So you have Communication students doing the shout casting. You have arts and letters students working with the marketing students to create the physical or the visible collateral. You have marketing students doing real partnerships with local business. You even have criminal justice students doing the security at the event. You could go deeper and deeper, but yeah. that's a long way to say that, man, you know, I'm in marketing, I'm in business development doing a podcast now. And to be able to do this in the esports space, I wouldn't have the first chance if it came to my skills on the sticks (laughs) so I think we're all blessed in that regard I do have a question for you regarding I want to go a little bit back in your career here because what I took from your story is that you were very purposeful and so it sounded like whether it was during school or after school you kind of sound like you had this vision to start your own agency and so were you in fact learning everything with that goal in mind or was that just a byproduct of you just having a great understanding and seizing opportunity
1: yeah i think that's a really good question i think for, for me from sort of the age of 15 there was always method to my madness so to speak yeah uh, in terms of what i was trying to achieve i think uh, as a, a younger kid i was always seen as a bit of an underperformer Mm. Uh, and that gave me an underdog mentality so I don't don't know if I've said this publicly but I have Asperger's Mm. uh, and also dyspraxia so I found learning growing up pretty difficult and at that point again there wasn't the same awareness of what that meant obviously there's positives and negatives in in both of those things that you can find and these days very thankfully there is a lot of support and help that you can get But at that point it was just put down that I was uh, a problem learner shall we say at Mm. that point so I didn't do very well in like uh, my high school grades or that type of thing. Yeah. And at the same time, I always had a, a real work ethic to get out there and earn my own money. So I used to have jobs like in um, stores, stacking shelves. I had one where I used to do bouncy castle, uh, castles. So I used to go out at 6 a.m. and put these bouncy castles up. And then I'd go up at 6 p.m., deflate them, roll them back up, and lift them. And they were heavy, especially for like a 14, 15-year-old. And I used to get paid like 10 pounds, $15 a day. You're paid um, by the to pound. To go and do that.
0: Not the British pound, (laughs) but the physical... Gravity Pound.
1: <laughs> oh, I wish. They were heavy.
0: <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, uh, so what I, I were you doing between uh, six oh. and six is my question. Were you just hanging out or were you setting up bounce houses all over the city and then strategically collecting them? Yeah, pretty it? much.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was like a, a full circuit and uh, thing that we used to uh, do. And sadly, I didn't own the company. So I got the, the, the small change that was left at the end of the day as payment. But I was happy because it meant for the rest of the weekend, I had some money in my pocket to go out and do what I wanted to do, right? Right. And that gave me a really good work ethic that, that there is a system that I can work to that's going to be favourable for me mm. and then it came to college and at that point you were allowed to use a, a laptop for your exams and your studies And then i realized that actually i have some things that i'm pretty good at right i was fortunate with my older brother that we grew up messing around with the internet so we used to create like chat forums so he ran like he was really into his wrestling Um, so he ran like a wrestling forum like way back when there wasn't much on the internet Um, and i used to watch him mess around with that and sort of work out how he edited it and how he did all these things so i was pretty savvy with building that out and that gave me my interest for marketing Uh, And then I was sat there looking at it and saying, there's a lot of people already in marketing. There's a lot of people that are experts that are always gonna create a ceiling for me. So I said, well, what's on the horizon? And at that point it was social media's on the horizon. This is gonna be huge. Engagement is on the horizon as a topic. So I sat there and said, well, if I can be someone who specializes in digital marketing, There is no one that knows how to do digital marketing because it's brand new. There there, there isn't a book written on it. There isn't anyone that knows the best way of tricking algorithms or creating um, sort of mass scale audience Great and that's point. what I pretty much did through uh, university is I worked out ways of doing it. I remember messing around on like the the penguin algorithm by Google and like Panda and stuff and grey yeah. hat marketing and white hat marketing and stuff at that point point. and it just became a, a niche for me at that point of being able to attract people to a website or build them and do things in a way that other people hadn't thought of and um, that, that's when I started to get really good grades right. I got a first class honours degree and I realised maybe maybe I've got a unique point of view at the moment that the world hasn't caught up to and I was like I could be completely wrong on this so I'm going to have to take some risks but sort of started an agency off the back of it started to get a steady client base of people that wanted hosting or websites or they wanted a, bit, a little bit of search engine recognition or yeah. pages redirected and that, that gave me sort of a, a strong secondary income that allowed me to take jobs in different fields that would let me put those skills to the test in a live environment to give me case studies to justify my next position and my next pay rise and those type of things all the way through
0: that's so interesting and you clearly did a great job of identifying an opportunity and then taking those steps to say uh, wow how can i realize this at a greater scale i can relate a little bit from the standpoint that after my skateboarding stuff i realized i had a love for marketing I fortunately had a a great opportunity. I I was a temp in in a tax firm, which doesn't sound like a great opportunity, but the culture was so great that it showed me that an office job could be positive. So after working there for two years, I went back to school and I had such a purposeful mindset to learn everything about marketing because I loved it so much, but I had no idea what I wanted to do with it. And so I've always kind of been much more just kind of open fly by the seat of my pants while learning as I go, trying new things. And I think that's helped me in some regard, but kind of the flip side is what you've done here and really kind of had it mapped out and stair-stepping and saying, this is where I want to go. So I need to do X, Y, Z. And I think that's incredible. Obviously it's definitely aided you with where you are now with the esports awards. And I'd love to get into a little bit of this too, because man, it's it's just such a great event you know you guys have created a must attend event that what five six years ago did not exist at all talk a little bit about that experience when you're in the UK you're developing this from scratch you're trying to you know it just came to Texas in 2019 is that right that's correct and so I'm wondering if the last year maybe a lot of people were like yeah we're going to the UK we're going to the esports awards but the year's Previous to that, it was probably like, how do I get people to fly across the pond? What was that experience like?
1: Yeah, I think it's a very good question again. And it's, it's always a weird one because so much of our year rides on this one night in the calendar. Uh, Because we've spent so much time building out the principle and the architecture and the infrastructure for what we see as a, a best in class award show with a very open, transparent and clear process on how the awards are created and how everything works. I think going back to 2016, it was really looking at how do you get the who's who in the room. And I think we were very lucky in some respects that we had Warren Fish involved because he had some phenomenal relationships from his time at Gfinity that yeah. means that he had a good level of trust because back then no one knew about this new award show we were called the Esports Industry Awards there was a lowercase e in the title and people hate that as we all know it <laughs> was what it was from a branding perspective Yes. Um, yeah. on that side and we had to persuade all of these huge influencers and celebrities to get in the room so again we had a phenomenal events team behind us that were known for putting on some of the most reputable and fun events and then we developed a, again a really strong opportunity with building some of the best after parties in esports that really engaged with some of the influencers and I think the, the important principle that we put in place is that we built something worth winning and that's very important mm. and it served us really really well because Every year, as the industry grows, salaries grow up, go up, expectation goes up, influencer day rates go up. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, the value of the end prize of the distinction of your peers r- remains just as significant because I-, I will never, ever make any qualms. We can't afford the likes of a ninja's day rate. It's just not doable. But what we do have is that ultimate seal of recognition that you are the best streamer in a given year, and that's something that's coveted, it matters, it's distinguished, and will vie for so that that was something that's been a manifesto and an ideology for us since the 2016 awards absolutely so help, help me understand what I understand
0: creating an award that is respected and that people value and say oh I want to go because I want it what about before anybody ever won an eSport award what was what were some of those successful tactics with whether it's people like Hector or others that worked to bring them in that some of our audience might say, well, I'm building something. I want to attract somebody of significance. Maybe I can replicate this in my efforts.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was something very different back then uh, and something that had never been done. So it was sort of, it got attention in that regard, but it was yeah. also well-positioned at the time because I still think we went very early. With the awards, right? We could have waited a couple of years and still done a lot of what we did because 2019 was a real breakthrough for us. yeah But it was the fact it was early and it was the fact that it was so organic and natural to what these guys do. We were there to celebrate their achievements and to make sure that their legacies were remembered so that it was documented throughout time, right? Everyone else has Wikipedias and all these different things um, and all these award shows that remembered, well, who was the best at that time and who could sort of artifact it. I think importantly, what it did is it became one of the only vehicles that can actually say this is esports because mm. it was all-encompassing, right? Because when, when people say esports, they'll say, oh yeah, we've got esports and they've got COD. So they've got one facet of esports. Yeah. So if you don't want to talk to the COD audience, you're in the wrong place. Whereas we have COD, we have CSGO, we have League of Legends, we have Overwatch, we have Dota, and we have their communities that tune in and watch because they want the validation that their player is way above that of the others. And that was a big allure for some of the influences in year one is that it bridges the gap. And one of the big things has always been esports has become more insular because Riot control their ecosystem they don't have outside talent working for them now so our event became one of the only places where you could catch up with people that you grew up in the industry with and it was that sort of oh, wow, when I come to the esports awards, I'm well looked after. I go to a best in class event and I get to hang out with some of the people that mean the most to me that I don't get to see because I'm on the road 300 days a year working all these broadcasts. So I think that was important. The other thing I'd say is that it was premium and prestigious. That was the other huge thing for us is yeah. that it was the only night these esports stars that go to every match in a jersey that wear streetwear and lifestyle wear on a day-to-day basis, get to wear a tux and be celebrated for all the incredible things they get to do
0: absolutely and i can tell you you know some people might think wait a bunch of gamers you're going to put them in tuxes they want to do that i can tell you from experience being there myself everybody is so hyped that they get to put on that tux and get on that red carpet and be in front of that step and repeat and a big part of consumer behavior in the gaming community whether it's a pro or whether it's just uh, amateurs in the audience is validation and it has to be done the right way. You can't just rinse and repeat anything from the outside world, traditional sports, non-endemic, what have you. But when you do it the right way, there are certain things that the community says, wow, I made it, you recognized me for what I've been passionate about, for what I've been grinding my whole life to do, and you guys have done that extremely well. Uh, I wanna talk a little bit about that transition from the UK to the US. I like we I've said a gazillion times so far in this episode. Yeah, I had the opportunity to be there in 2019 and see what you guys did there at Esports Stadium. I did notice that Lexus was a sponsor. I I drive one myself. I'm a customer. So when I pulled up, I felt just at, just <laughs> at home. And I, I was like, oh, I actually have a car now that's worth Valen. It's <laughs> but you know Lexus. Hey Toyota, Lexus. They're they're in the Dallas area. There's a lot of other brands. I you know I think when Esports really blew up in the US. That really helped from a monetization standpoint because you have a lot of brands where their target demos in the US and it's it's not international for all of them. So how did that affect your company when you came to this side?
1: I think I think if I'm being very honest and I am I always try and be very honest in opening these, it was a, a double-edged sword for mm. us in some respects. So yeah. to th- 2016, we had 80,000 live viewers. And seven thousand community votes and we were absolutely stoked about that we trended in la and we trended in london and we came away thinking like this is incredible Eighty thousand people tuned in and cared about the broadcast that we put out and they now care about the awards that we give we came away really excited but i think the biggest thing i came away with it from is but now the curtain closes no one cares for another 12 months like what can we do to make people care for longer Great and point. to create duration yeah yeah it was um it was terrifying because we're like well how do we know that when we switch on in a year's time there'll be relevance how do we know that people care about those stories and the narrative that we create via the awards and i came away saying this needs to be more of a year-round presence like the ultimate goal needs to be that we can cover things on a monthly basis and stagger the releases of our nominees because then you're telling the story as tournaments are happening you're creating gossip and you're creating narrative when the curtain on the season opens and you see which players have transferred to which team and all these elements that could mean that they're more in contention or less in contention for an award and that was really important so 2017 we started doing spotlight shows we did three of them Uh, And they basically they launched nominations. They launched our first group, and then they launched our second group of finalists. That seemed to have the right effect. It was still it was still slow going, but it was uh, the right effect, and people recognised what we were doing, and it meant that we had thousands of nominations for people. But more importantly, the community started to ask for things, which I think is the most important thing. Is we've always promised and been purposeful to be led by the community, and they started to chat back to us and say, well, why don't you have an award for this? Or why is there not representation for this category? And I think what was really exciting about the awards is that it was such an agile platform and interface growing up that when someone came in with a good solution we could implement it. Maybe not the same year but within 12 months that award category would be live. It would have specific criteria and a panel of experts from the industry would be adjudicating on it and you don't see that from the traditional archetypal beasts because they're they're very established and it's very difficult for them to change precedent and process right? Um, Absolutely. So the Oscars it's very difficult for them to say we'll do a new category or we'll cut some categories. They have to follow a process. Whereas year on year, we could say, okay, well, the audience really loved this, but they didn't love this, so let's go down this route. There's ways of doing it, and that's been how we've iteratively grown so quickly. Um, so, 2017, 450,000 people joined in to watch, and 750,000 wow. people voted on the awards, and that was crazy because that was a hundred times increase in a year, and suddenly we had something. It mattered. People tuned in. They wanted to campaign for it, and those same people were saying you need more award categories. Like you need to recognize this and you need to make sure that on-air talent are being honored in the right way. And we responded to that. We were like, you are absolutely correct. Like, let's continue to do it. But at the same time, as I've been very honest about, we were a super lean team. There was at that stage, maybe six people that were working on this full time managing the entire process and managing all of these shows, content, subcontent, social media, graphics, partnerships, activation, and planning for this live ceremony and trying to build the best broadcast that we possibly could, as well as launch new awards. And there always has to be someone that can underpin why that award matters, what the criteria should be. But we we persevered. And t- 2018 was the real establishing year for us because 2017, we understood the concept worked. We evaluated the methods. We could see that viewership went up when we broadcast more often and when we created the right stories around it yeah. and the right narrative around finalist unveilings short listings so 2018 was a case of let's do more of this let's put more content out let's put more broadcast but let's start getting some of those players behind the scenes involved let's give them a neutral platform that isn't the tournament organizer and isn't their team to talk around their experiences so we got to work with the likes of the london spitfire and a whole host of others yeah. and uh, that was that was the year we first got to work with shocks and golden boy as our mainstay hosts which was incredible and they helped to really elevate us and that that year was huge i mean it was a difficult year because we realized this is global this doesn't just affect the uk it doesn't just affect the us so we ended up having to not work with our headline sponsor at the time which was b sky bean and now tv hmm. we stopped working with them and we went without a headline sponsor which was hard because we were dropping a huge revenue line but sure. we also knew that that sponsor no longer resonated with our audience so it was really difficult to sit and say we're credible we're authentic we're organic we do things for the right reason sitting with a bright pink logo that was only recognized by 10 percent of our yeah entire except
0: audience. when i get a paycheck and when i get a paycheck then yeah. <laughs> authenticity <laughs> goes out the door right because it's cash it is, talks yeah. but yeah, yeah.
1: that's, uh, that's uh, very i was always drilled by long our ceo tom you. mercy Yeah. Well, he he always had the catchphrase of credibility, credibility, credibility. Mm. And when you don't have credibility, your business is over in the awards business. So um, it was a a big, big thing for us. And we were developing all these systems with Deloitte at the time around adjudication and being able to govern data and build things out. But at the same time, money was tight in 2018. We didn't have a headline sponsor. We were getting a huge, huge amount of fanfare in the US, but the US also didn't want to sponsor a UK-based event, right? They, They have these huge teams over there. and the teams in the UK were too small because back then there was no XLE Sports, there was no Guild, there were no mainstays, but Fnatic had a presence, they had like um, the shop in Shoreditch, but that was it, there was ESL there was Fnatic, there was Gfinity and then it felt like there was us, so it was hard to attract those big mainstay sponsors to come in and take a bet on an award show that was still just getting started but what did happen that year was a lightning bolt of engagement like we'd never seen at that point because Mm. suddenly we'd went from 750,000 people voting on the awards to over 3 million people voting on the awards and we went from 450,000 people watching this to over 5 million people watching this and overnight the metrics were ridiculous numbers and we we were having server outages all the time on the voting because we couldn't keep up with the numbers that were coming in people on the website and we realized this this resonates and this matters and actually we were very fortunate we had Kim Meltzer um yeah the awards in 2018 i've had kim on the for... podcast she's great yeah, yeah. She is. She's incredible. And she she was up for Unsung Hero of the Year, and she came over to the UK, and we gave her the full VIP experience at the awards, and she couldn't get over the experience she'd had. She couldn't get over how it felt to be part of that, and to finally see esports get some of the validation it so greatly deserves demands at this stage. So she was, at the time, working on a project over at the esports stadium in Arlington with Jonathan Othone and Corey Dunn, yep. and she rang me and she said, you need to speak to these guys. They're doing something really, really special in Arlington. You could be part of the journey. And at the time, we were like, we've just been hit really hard on the last show financially. We've just had this absolute influx of viewership. And we know we're starting to bridge the the US anyway. And it felt like the US were three or four years ahead of the UK from an esports perspective. Mm. So we we wanted to do it, but we just didn't believe it was gonna be viable at that stage with our current position overall so we, I, I remember being there with Tom and we put down a 5% chance we moved to the esports stadium in Arlington and we were looking at U, UK based venues that could hold a bigger capacity on yeah. the back of the 2018 show because the 2018 show was incredible but it was also plagued by sounding issues because mm-hmm. it was too big there were too many people in the room there the, it, it was capacity and it was obviously all fine by that but every microphone could pick up someone because there were just someone everywhere it grown people Wanted to be there. So, anyway, Kim rings me in January and she's like, This is real, Mike. You need to start taking this seriously. And I was like, Kim, this would be a dream for us, but I don't know how it happens. And very fortunately, the, the CVB watched some of our stuff and said, wow, this is this is cool, we want this. They flew us out to Texas, they showed us around, they took us to the AT&T, they showcased some very, very good Tex-Mex, and that was me sold. There and, you go. Um, we, we arrived at the Esports Stadium Arlington, and I, I did a 360, and I looked around and I was like, this is the best playground for adults I have ever seen in my life. Like this place has the potential to be a major destination, not just in esports, but in travel completely. And Absolutely. that's what they're building, right?
0: Right? And so, you know, um, f- for people who don't know and aren't familiar with that area of Arlington, you've got all sorts of stuff there. You've got the Dallas Cowboys AT&T Stadium, also known as Jerry World. You've got two texas rangers stadiums there now it was one then and they were building i remember in 2019 earlier this year i was able to attend one of those games and it's so incredible what the rangers have built you also have six flags themes theme parks there the roller coasters and then you also have the water park around the corner and then texas live which has a wonderful hotel attached but you have all these bars and restaurants that are themed and super cool and then you have the eSports Stadium, Arlington, right there in the mix. And I love the alignment of it where you're saying, look, you know, these are the top traditional sports venues in the country. And right here, we've got eSports in the heart of it. And that's super cool, especially with your business, as you're saying, hey, there's a lot of award shows out there that can be comparable. And you're saying, look, we're here too in more ways than one.
1: Yeah, and I think we, we were always different. I think that was one of the important things because we, we always put experience moments and memories first. Yeah. And that was a big thing. Like even with London, we were always trying to do something more for the influencers to give them that time back so that they're not just coming to an award show and sitting through a dinner and then picking up an award or not picking up an award. They were coming to London to experience London. They were on um, speedboats across the River Thames. They were on the London Eye looking out at the entire city at midnight to see like all the stars and all the buildings and stuff lit up. And that's what we saw an extension of in Texas, right, is it's shorter flight times for a much bigger activity. Because for me, the Esports Awards is always meant to be like the festival of Esports, where yeah. you can showcase it to non-endemics, but you can also cater to the endemics. And you can look after all the VIPs and the celebrities that come, and you can offer them all these crazy activations. And that that's how 2019 came to be, is that we fell in love with a destination. The destination believed in our vision for taking it forward, and we had this really cool relationship. But it was also terrifying, because we'd just taken our Black Book of Contacts from the UK and went, it's out the window now. We're in the US, we're heard of, we, we can do this. And we ended up signing the paperwork in June. And then we had five months to plan, facilitate, and build this entire award <laughs> show from start <laughs> to finish and persuade a thousand people that this award show was going to be incredible. But you right. you can't have any backstory on it because it's been in the UK for the last three years <laughs> and we didn't cover any of the additional content for you.
0: Right, man, that's, that's quite a thing. You know, one thing that I really love about what you guys do, it tells me a lot about you and the team as people is the way that you treat the talent. And you just shared how you uh, treated Kim and it sounded like treating that one person the right way, going kind of over the top, going beyond the call of duty, if you will, really opened up doors for you. And I've been on some calls with you regarding sponsorship and production and all these you know, behind the scenes things. And I remember one time I was pitching you an idea for a sponsor. We won't talk about who it was or this, this specific idea. But I I really thought this was cool. You said, John, I don't want to add a sponsorship activity to what we're doing with the talent during these three days because this is their time. And that was a moment where, hey, maybe we could get you a couple hundred grand more or something like that, right? But I think you have a great way, it sounds ever since your college days, of really seeing long-term and saying, wait, I'm not going to... Uh, trip over dollars to pick up pennies, or I'm not going to sacrifice my credibility for the short term because I see the long term. I want you to share a little bit about what you guys do for the talent, for the nominees. And then I also want you to share how you're using your platform to help more people. And this is with a new partner that you told me about just before the show. So uh, share a little bit about that for the audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think when when it comes to talent, the the cool thing about this brand is that we started small and most of the staff were fans first right so we all came into the industry through a common love and those that didn't now adore the industry and they watch vlogs and they watch the influencers and the celebrities yeah and you have to have that focus that these are people as well and that they have very little downtime. So it was always important to us that we were enhancing their year rather than detracting from it. So sort of monetizing elements of their weekend always seemed crass to us. We always wanted to give them the experience of a lifetime with no uh, strings attached. And we came up with this philosophy internally that's a little bit cliche, but we all love, which is called Project Love. Uh, which is effectively how we look after each and every finalist, influencer, celebrity from the second the wheels of their plane touch ground at DFW to the second they walk up that same tarmac to get back on their flight to return uh, home after the awards. And that's been a philosophy that's been in since 2016. And that's why you see these points in the year where we take over, where every finalist gets a finalist coin because we recognize even being shortlisted with the 50 panel members we That's have cool. is a huge achievement. So they all get a memento to say, hey, you you were part of this. You made the shortlist. You're at the top of the game because yeah. the, the decision in the end of who wins is such a fine, like, tooth comb moment of what is it that tips them above all of their peers. So we want Absolutely. to make sure they're recognized. And we partnered with Champion for the last couple of years to give them a bespoke or custom jacket to, again, give them a memento of the year and show them how valuable their work is and that they're appreciated for it. And when they get to Arlington, we make sure we look after them with concierge cars. We make sure when they get to their hotels, they always get like a custom um, bed runner with their names on it to show that they've arrived and we have goodies. And we, we partner with all of our brands and sponsors with the idea being that they can add to that experience without really expecting anything back. So we, we will never write into a contract that if you sponsor the awards, you're going to get guaranteed coverage of, say, dropping something in a hotel room for them. Uh, but right. if they like it, they might share it. If they think that product's good enough that they want to talk about it, that they can do so. And that's where the power comes in is that's the best authentic marketing you're going to get is that person isn't being paid for their time. Actually, that person's protected so they don't have to do it, but they may love something so much that they want to pick up a phone and take a picture with it. And that's the, the cool thing about the awards is it's it's not a sales environment, it's not a gimmick, it's very authentic and it's sort of protected. So that's always been super important to us. And I think that's why we have so many friends in the industry is because we genuinely care about looking after these people and making sure that they have an incredible time while yeah. still being able to hopefully build a credible brand with some cool sponsors that we can activate in our own special way. And I think that the other side that always stands out for me is that we have this platform now that's grown so to, to, to finish the story earlier we obviously moved over to arlington we went to a saturday night format we went up against the likes of ufc sao paulo saturday night live and we ended up hitting around seven million viewership which was insane for us like to, to get growth when we've moved like that was incredible Um overall and we realized we have this platform that now resonates and it means something and we don't always have to be the focal point we can make a lot of noise but everything's always better with the awards when it's celebrating what others are doing and it's commending them and achieving and building for them so we've been really really enamored and excited that we've uh, just created a partnership with Make-A-Wish which is huge for our whole team Love it. we're so so excited to be working with them and um, it's been something we've pursued and John I think I mentioned um, to you off camera that we, we don't always go after charity partners. We've always had a very strong relationship with Movember. It's usually charities that will come to us and ask, can you activate for us? Can you spread the word? And we have to sort of strike a balance between does this fit with what we're doing? Is this something we can really throw 100% behind? We pursued Make-A-Wish, like we really wanted to work with them. And thanks to some friends over at Secret Lab, they were able to create intros and create a really cool way for us to facilitate and work together. And I'll be honest, like we were sat around at Christmas and I read an article that said over 2000 children didn't get their wishes granted throughout 2020 due to the pandemic. And it broke my heart. I was shattered. I I became a dad in 2020. On the first day that we went into a... Thanks very much, yeah. It was the first day we went into a lockdown. And at the time he was actually was born quite poorly and he spent three weeks in neonatal. And I just kept saying like, as long as he comes home happy and healthy, we'll get through this. And thankfully, thank everyone. Like he came home, he's happy, he's healthy. And I get to enjoy every day with him. But I recognize that's not always the case to hear the kids didn't get their wishes facilitated due to the pandemic, it it hits me a lot harder in that sense. So when we got the opportunity to pitch to make a wish that we could not only fundraise for them, but actually facilitate some wishes for children in the local Texas area, that, that was huge to me that they believe in us to be able to give that on our side. So we're looking at some really cool stuff so we want to make sure that there are wish kids in attendance and they get to meet some of their heroes for me the ultimate one if one of them would be up for it and the situation arises is to have a wish kid actually get to present an award alongside a talent would Love be that. huge and I just want to put on record as well because we sometimes get question on this or sometimes people make assumptions we're not getting paid for this and we're not taking any of the proceeds like a hundred percent of all the proceeds that we raise will go directly to make a wish and actually we're investing our own capital in to creating more revenue opportunities for Make-A-Wish off the back of this as well. It's just something for we you. really, really believe in and we want to do. And another upcoming partnership that isn't announced at this stage but should be by the time this podcast comes out is with Skulls Apparel. Cool. Uh, and Wes over there, they're someone that we've had a good relationship with since the end of 2019. Yeah, And w- w- Wes has some incredible stories actually. His, his son was a uh, wish kid and got to do some incredible things on the back of it. So it really resonated with him. So when he heard about what we're trying to achieve, he was on board straight away and he was saying, this is something I wanna get involved in. And like Skulls wanna throw their collective might behind creating a customer apparel line that you can buy to support, make a wish, and being Super able to cool. do some cool stuff off the back of it. So I love like the triangulation of being able to do good for the right reasons. And there's no one sort of skimming the bottom line on it. And it's just, it's cool that we've got to the stage that our platform can do something that yes. actually matters. And that's the kind of thing that makes me keep putting in like 12 to 15 hours a day.
0: Yeah, I can tell you from my experience at GameStop, when I started there, some people were reaching out to me. And I would, you know, be like, hey, John, can you support this kid, that kid? Can you do this special thing? And I would go to our PR guy, and he's like, no, John, you know, we can't can't do this. And I I got a little frustrated at first. I was like, are you kidding me? Look at all the stuff we have. And they said, John, do you realize how many requests we get? All of them. Every kid's make-a-wish wish... Has to do with gaming, because all of these kids are gamers, and so they see someone like GameStop, and they see, and so you know, and I'm not throwing any shade at GameStop. GameStop does a lot of wonderful things. The point, simply, is they can't handle every request, and so what I think is amazing is you have recognized the value of your presence, and you're providing yet another platform. That is associated with this passion, and you guys are so well set up for it because you have these, you know, these famous players, these streamers, team owners, etc. That these kids are just gonna love to be able to have a moment with, and you know, we we can do a lot of things that are cool or can fun be fun or make a lot of money sometimes, but I think it is so special and impactful when we do things that really is positive towards other human lives, and so you know, kudos to you for doing that. Number one. Uh, As we wrap up here, I want to give you an opportunity. I'd love to just hear through the last five, six years. What are some of these big moments, favorite winners, whatever? What were some of those exciting times through this journey with the Esports Awards where you either had to pinch yourself or like, wow, this is the coolest thing in the world?
1: Yeah that's uh, again a very good question on that side I think that there's been a lot of big moments and memories now it's super exciting I think my my personal development over the last sort of 6 years has been really cool to see because when I came into this I had a lot of goals on what I wanted to achieve and it was always sort of what I was going to bring to the awards and it's been really cool to get to a point where we just have this core team of people that now say we and it's mm. a team that generates and builds things so look, one of my favorite things was the the other day we had our community spotlight show it was incredible we had zoe schwind from overwatch league and uber mitch leslie alongside our mainstay host tom f dot badinger and they revealed the awards and it was it was this crazy phenomena where we had for the first time this team that were capable of running everything end to end in-house mm. and to see how much of the growth has, has gone into those people is incredible and in how they run these sort of top of the range broadcasts. And it's always that moment when you wake up the next day because we broadcast until 4 a.m. in the morning. Wow. Then we went to sleep and rested. We woke up the next day and it's that first text from the person that's been on the voting console and checked and you get that text of, we've just hit 750,000 votes inside of 12 hours. And you're like, wow, that's insane. And then you get the text wow. within 18 hours, which is we just eclipsed a million votes. And you're like, that's insane. That's this incredible moment. And to see the team do that, and we have like um, a small content team that put together all those shows to see what it means to them now is uh, more mm. gratifying for me than anything because they're, they're doing end to end. They're coming up with the ideas. They are building out a script. They are directing and producing it, recording it, and then they're broadcasting it. So to see them get the return on it, it's incredible. But if I was going down the actual route of the awards themselves, there are there are some just really cool stuff. And for me, when we had the, the Lexus cars in the room in 2019, yeah. that was such such a proud moment for the whole team to sit there and say like, wow, Lexus really believe in what we're doing and they trust us to the point where they're gonna put their brand in the room as part of the product and to activate it. I'm a huge Marvel fan, so to have the car used in the Black Panther film yeah. sat in the middle of a ceremony that I am exec producing and actually directing at points is incredible. It's like this this doesn't happen. Like whose life am I starting to live? And but by the way, there's a monster truck outside and it's blaring our theme tune across Arlington at the moment. Like it was it was super special. But actually on that as well, I'm gonna give you my most soppy moment as a marketer.
0: Please. Um
1: when I was uh, t- 2015, I went to the League of Legends World Championship in the UK. I went to the mm. semi-finals, which was um, Fnatic versus EDG. Yeah, uh, It was in um, Wembley at the w- uh, Wembley Arena, the SSC mm. Wembley Arena. And um, to walk there, you had to walk under like this big by- uh, bypass and like a mile's worth of uh, track to get down there. And League of Legends had taken over every banner. They had like wow. all the hanging banners on either side of the road. And as you walked up, it was like Champions Way for League of Legends. And I was like, wow. League of Legends has made it, and Riot has made it because look at this branding. Like this is akin to any major sports event, anything. And in 2019, um, the city of Arlington put the esports awards banners up all the way across town. So wow. as you walked to the event from any direction, you had the banners and you had things that I'd got involved in design. And you had things that Chris, our head of content, had designed and our social media guys had put together and stuff. And it was like, this, this is this is real. This is tangible. And we worked some pretty serious hours at the awards, like 15 to 20 hour days in the lead up. And to see it all come together was good. But I, I've, I've been skirting your question for a while because I always like to say I'm impartial. I don't have bias. But I have to say, like, the Dr. Disrespect wins have always had a special place because... He he has a huge fanfare and just the moment in the room when he wins an award, it changes the atmosphere. It goes from 10 to 11 very quickly and it's always cool. And he has like that personality of enigma around it. But um, I'll be honest, one of, the, one of the coolest moments for me from a behind the curtains perspective is 2019. Uh, I was exec producing, but I did a bit of directing behind the curtain with the talent. And um, we'd been briefed that day that Golden Boy had won host of the year and he was also hosting the show. Oh, wow. And we knew it was like this huge, huge thing for him because in 2018, um, he was up for personality of the year and he was up against Ninja. And he Mm. ended up losing that award by like 108 votes to Ninja. he was like, I wish I'd never known that. I wish you'd never told me that. Because he's like, it's like an aspiration to be recognized by my peers and the community for what I do, but it's never a given. And in 2019, he had no idea. He was oblivious and he was just getting on with his job. And Delotti van Prague was one of our other Mainstay hosts on there, and she we, we told her so she knew. So we set up this scene where Golden Boy, and you can see it back on the broadcast. he goes up to the broadcast desk next to the stage, ready to do a bit to camera. That bit never existed. We wrote it into the script that day so that he would be in position so he could actually watch that award be announced so he wouldn't be behind the curtain for his big moment. Mm. and then they get through it and it's Chris Mead from Twitch presenting it, and he goes up and uh, he's like, and the winner is and he says Golden Boy and you get this split second reaction from Golden Boy where he doesn't know who Golden Boy is the cameras are all (laughs) on him and he's like oh that's so cool that guy won and then he's like hang on a sec that's me and then I'm stood on the curtain next to him and like everyone runs up to hug him and then he goes on the stage and it was just like such a cool moment because we followed Alex for such a good amount of time and like when he started doing Overwatch he had this really insane moment where he was on ESPN and you could see what it meant to him like it resonated with everyone that like he'd went from being this guy who loves games and wrestling and having a dream to being on an ESPN broadcast and suddenly it was very real. And like that next moment that got him in that same way was winning an esports award. And I was like, that is what this trophy here means to people now. Like this is what it means. Because it's not just a pretty trophy although it is a very pretty trophy yes. it's a year-round campaign where there's hundreds of thousands of nominations then there are hundreds of hours worth of panel sessions where they go back and forth and deliberate on the shortlists and then you get the community vote that goes on for about three to four months and as you know there's millions of those 5.1 million last year probably around 10 million this year hopefully and then it all comes down to October when you have a panel of 50 experts made up of your peers the biggest sponsors in the room and so on all come together to deliberate on the awards and then there's one winner and when you go up on that stage and you realize all of those moments had to align for you to get to make that moment that's special and that's something that other people can't replicate it's a very unique place in the market that's incredible well this
0: is the end of our episode here but i want uh to enable our audience to understand how to experience some of these special moments for themselves so whether it's the award show itself the year-round campaign i know you guys are doing a lot of content what are the best platforms and places that people can experience what you and your team are doing
1: absolutely so i think just getting involved and watching some of what we do is always a great place i'd say definitely a shout out for www.esportsawards.com forward slash vote and help actually be a part of deciding the award winners this year play your part in validating who you think should win each and every award category but the ceremony is november 20th this year back at the Esports Stadium in Arlington, Texas as a full live event, which we're all super, super stoked for. Yes. We'd love to have you there. If you can't be there, make sure that you do watch it. Make sure that you're involved and interacting with it. We always listen. If you do think there are war categories that are missing, you can go info at esportsawards.com and we read every single one that comes in, including some of the, um, the flame and toxicity that we get. <laughs> but it's all part of working in this industry, right? It is. <laughs> Well,
0: greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much. You have such an inspirational story and you're doing so much not just to lift and validate our industry, but those who are fans of gaming and eSports as well. So thank you for that. Mike Ashford for joining me today on the DLC Drop Podcast.
1: Thanks so much. Thank
0: you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the eSports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.